somebody call Brian McKnight because we're starting back at one. It's Nescapades, a chronological journey through the North American Super Nintendo Library with a few pit stops along the way. We play them briefly. We judge them harshly. We rank them. That is pretty much all you need to know. I am Chase Keys. And I'm Emmy Zero. But I do have to ask, is it a chronological journey right now? Like what? How does this? How does this fit? You know, think about it. Hmm? Yeah, we're going a little bit out of the chronology uh, at this point. Where we we decided, you know, we wanted to go back and revisit some of the older stuff. Now that we've changed the format around a couple of times, so we're gonna go back. We're gonna talk about the August 1991 issue of Nintendo Power, which we did not talk about uh, in our original run because you know we we weren't doing that yet. Uh, And then I think we'll maybe talk about the games of August 91 again over a couple of episodes. And then we will jump back to the present day, which is to say two years after 1991, 1993. We'll get we'll finish up December 1993. uh, See how we're feeling. Maybe we go back to September 91. Surely I'm I'm making some sense here, right? Is this is this working at all? My it tracks. It tracks. Yeah, it does. Um, basically, uh, we're, we're just trying to bring our coverage of the early days of the Super Nintendo up to the level of what we, we think we are doing now for the later parts of the Super Nintendo's library. Uh, we think we've gotten a lot better at doing this over the last few years. And, uh, you know, we, we just wanted to go back and, you know, try to, try to, uh, talk about, the early games and the early days of the Super Nintendo in the same way that we've come to talk about the uh, the later ones in, in this format. And that does include uh, doing a, a playing with power, Nintendo power, deep dive on uh, those issues of the magazine we, we didn't cover. So that's where we're at. And uh, this is kind of an experiment right now. We're going to see how it goes. And yeah, uh, hopefully uh, a successful experiment that we will continue with. That's what we're doing. So, um, but as this is a playing with power episode, there is someone that we like to uh, check in with for those episodes, and that person's name is Newsy. So let's go over to him real quick and find out what was going on uh, again in August of 1991. It's August 1991. Brian Adams, everything I do, I do it for you, has been topping the charts since July and will continue to until September. Doc Hollywood opens and goes on to gross over 54 million. And WWW is first introduced as a publicly available internet service based on the files of Tim Berners-Lee. Back to you, Ebby Zero and Chase Keys. And thank you, Newsy. So, we had... uh, I guess WWW was a thing back in 1991. That's kind of weird to think like I, I wouldn't even be on AOL for another couple of years after that. No, I don't think my family got a computer with internet until 95, 96, certainly not one that I ever got to use yeah. for even a couple of years after that stone knives and bearskins era right here. Really? Yep. Well, uh, thank you, Al Gore for inventing the internet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, let's see, Doc Hollywood, uh, still haven't seen that movie since uh, the first time we did all these. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure it's a fantastic film. I kind of 
remember it a tiny bit from when I was a kid. It has Michael J. Fox in it, so I think I was intrinsically a little bit interested in it because of that, because of, you know, Back to the Future and everything. Mm -hmm. Not really particularly a movie that would appeal to, like, a kid. So uh, I don't know if it's good or not. I do know that plot-wise it seems very similar to the Pixar movie Cars. So... (laughs) Uh, you know, uh, maybe it is appropriate for kids after all. I don't know. Uh, oh, and a really bad song was very popular for a long time. Around God, it sure this, was this a bad song. Also connected to, uh, a movie that is straight up bad. The, uh, Kevin Costner, Robin Hood movie. Um, yeah, uh, it is kind of the perfect song for that movie though. <laughs> Um, another movie I have not seen. Alan Rickman's pretty good in that movie. Alan Rickman is the Sheriff of Nottingham in it, and he's, uh, he's an excellent, excellent mustache twirling villain. Honestly would not say it's a, a thing that's worth going back to in, in almost any other respect. Gonna be dating this a little bit, uh, because as we record this right now, it is, we are still on the cusp of the holiday season. Uh, actually, I don't know. We're, we're, we're pretty good and thick into the the holiday season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Alan Rickman, he seems like the kind of person who would have played a really good, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge. He never did though, to my knowledge, did he? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I think he would have played a really good one. Uh, and unfortunately he's no longer with us, so he can't, uh, he can't do that now. Oh, we really missed an opportunity there. Um, all right. Well, enough about all this. Um, how about we take a look at the 1991 issue of Nintendo Power? Yeah, let's do it. I assumed, hey, the Super Nintendo came out this month. Um, obviously, you would want to have a cover featuring your big pack-in game to, uh, to, to make the Super Nintendo a big success. They did not do that this month. I believe the following month is actually the Super Mario World issue. I believe. Yeah. So um, uh, instead, the cover of this issue, this is, it features a Game Boy game, a Mega Man Game Boy game. Mega Man yeah. and Dr. Wily's Revenge, the the first of the Mega Man Game Boy series that uh, up until a certain point was mostly like, hey, here's a sort of truncated version of uh, this Mega Man game with only, you know, four of the robot masters instead of, you know, six to eight. Right. But then also you fight another four robot masters from the game after it. So you get kind of an interesting mix of powers. That is interesting. Did, are, are these games good? Do you like them? Have you ever played them very much? I've never played any of the Game Boy Mega Man games. I think I played one on like the DS with the, the virtual console. Oh, sure. Yeah. It seemed absolutely fine. I, you know. Obviously, you're not getting the same kind of experience. There's just not enough real estate to really make no, yeah. the kind of Mega Man game that you want on the NES. Right. I can't say it left too much of an impression on me, but, you know, it, it, they seemed okay. I mean, I think if it was 1991, you would probably be pretty happy with it, right? I mean, like, if, if somebody had given that to me, like if a grandparent had you know, said like, oh, hey, I heard you like Mega Man, uh, so I found this Mega Man game, and it was Mega Man for Game Boy. I'd be like, yeah, this is cool. I'll play that. Uh, I do love this cover, though. Uh, it's oh yeah, really, really special. Um, uh, it is a model, right? Model of Doctor Wily that they photographed up close. Here, it looks like it. This may be the same Doctor Wily model that was used in 
the spaceship for the cover of, I believe it was issue 11 for Mega Man 2. Ah, cool. Um, and that nice. spaceship, along with the Dr. Wily model, is in the collection of uh, the Art of Nintendo Power. Um, the, the, the guy who runs that account. Um, you should definitely check out Art of Nintendo Power on Instagram or whatever other social medias he's on. He's He's got a lot of really cool pieces in his collection and he, and he tours with it a lot. He goes to a lot of conventions with those pieces with, uh, you know, like a, a, the original art from a lot of different covers that were drawn by various people. Um, really neat stuff. I do not believe he has this particular Wiley, uh, vehicle <laughs> from this cover, but he does have the spaceship from, uh, issue 11. Cool. Cool. Um, we also got these little little flying things. I, they're very shiny. They're really shiny. Yeah, like you can see a light. Yeah, yeah I think those are pr- those are pretty effectively. They look like the starlights there, but they they are pretty clearly like somebody's actually pointing like little pin lights at this thing or something. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's great. Uh, I love this whole thing. It's such a vibe. It's so perfectly. Of its time, you know? I love the creativity here. I just love the, like, how do we make a cover for this? I don't know. What if we make a model of some weird thing from a video game and photograph it? Like, that's that seems like the one of the last things I would have thought of. But uh, just what a, yeah. what a neat thing. Yeah, let's crack it open. And uh, I, <laughs> I really like the, oh, my God. I just love this whole aesthetic. Like, the first two pages. It's a great aesthetic. You're talking about the the power to the player thing. Yeah, yeah, which uh, Nintendo apparently had that well before GameStop did. Well, you know, it's 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 power to the player, oh, not, good not point. players. Good point. So, you know, yeah, that ass makes it something totally different. So you can get this power underground. Uh-huh. Oh, this power underground iron on decal. Oh, wow. OK. Oh, OK. You know what? You know what? I'll bet I could recreate this in Photoshop or something. Yeah. And, and uh, if we ever do merch, if we ever do merch, uh, that would be incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's a kid in uh, a really really '90s ass uh, armchair shaking his fist in in joy at a floating television with a cartoon drawing of Mario on it, and he's got the power underground, uh, you know, decal on his shirt, and uh, there's you know there's a bunch of triangles on the screen. It's really good. I just really dig this whole style here. Um, I will try to remember to put this up on my Instagram account or something uh, for folks who want to see it. But also, like, why aren't you just following along with us? Why aren't you? Why aren't you just going to the Internet Archive and? This is the thing I don't know if we've ever said before explicitly. There is a very easily available archive of all of these magazines on the Internet Archive. It is virtually the only reason we're able to do these episodes and uh yeah it's all there so if you if you can if you go to the uh the archive.org uh nintendo power uh collection that's on there uh you can you can read through these things uh just like we're doing you can follow along with us while we while we do it and um yeah it's uh it's it's a good time these are these are neat artifacts yeah. And also, um, you know, I, I don't know what the status will be of this project by the time this episode comes out, but I know I just watched a video. The Video Game History Foundation thing, yes, right? Yeah. Yeah. They are working on making a huge magazine archive, which is going to include Nintendo Power, 
uh, available to the public soon, I, I think. Yeah, they said the, the first part of 2024 is when they hope to launch it. That is so exciting. They do such incredible work at the Video Game History Foundation. Yeah, I am I am so excited to check out that archive. Like, I will lose days going yeah. through that. Yeah, seriously. Oh my god, it will make uh, research for Deep Dive so much easier in the future. So, uh, so yeah, big thank you to uh, the Video Game History Foundation. And, uh, you know, if, if you out there listening to this are also a video game history buff, I believe you can donate to them. And, you know, they're a, I'm pretty sure they're just a regular nonprofit. You can... Write off your donation on your taxes um, to help keep you know help them do what they do. Really, really cool organization. I just I I am so excited to see the archive, even in, you know in whatever form it it first comes out in. A hundred percent, yeah. That's gonna be so much fun to look through. Uh, we got players pulse. We got you know letters coming out, and so this this first letter here. This might have something to do with why Nintendo decided not to put um, a Super Nintendo game on the cover of this issue. Where someone, yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have someone writing in from Vancouver, Canada, asking if the Super Nintendo is also coming out in Canada this fall, and they said, e- "No, sorry, Peter Hughes of Vancouver, BC, but." Uh, we're probably we're probably not going to have a ton of these things to sell right away. Um, mm-hmm. they, they pretty much are, are saying straight up right here, like we can't have it ready in Canada yet. In Even in America, these things are going to be hard to get for a little while. I my suspicion is that, yeah, the, the you are completely right. They were aware that the supply was going to be really limited, so they didn't want to, like, go all in on advertising the games or the system until it was actually possible for more people to buy them. <laughs> yeah, they, they they didn't want to push it too hard, leading to a bunch of parents not being able to get one and a lot of disappointed children. So, yeah. 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 And also, um, I guess they sent a, uh, a Little League baseball team to Japan. A Western Washington Little League team, because it says that it is the Montlake Rainier Cobras. Would that be like Montlake Terrace up north, uh, north of Seattle? I think it probably is. Yes. They sent them to Japan to go to the Nintendo headquarters and do some, some tourism. And, uh, you know, that was probably a really memorable trip for those kids. Oh, I bet. Uh, that was probably absolutely wild to get to do that in like 1991. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what they did to get that. Or if like, one of the, the 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 dads of that team worked at Nintendo. It's, it, it, I don't know. It's a good question, though. Like, it's like, huh? The, the team they chose seems very local to uh, to the Seattle area where they are located, where Nintendo is located. Yeah. So also, we don't we don't really know like how the game went. We don't know who won. But we do have an also also here. We have a picture of an iguana laying on top of an NES, and um, you know, good for good for Phyllis the iguana. Finding a warm place to lay. That's that's quality quality content from uh, the player's pulse. All right, and that leads us to our first big uh, feature for this issue, which is Ninja Gaiden Episode Three. This is the third Ninja Gaiden and uh, NES game right out of the gate, and yep, just some great art. 
yeah, really great art, um, just sort of incidentally around the 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 layouts. Uh, there's some really good borders here that have like some big kind of uh, dragons sort of, you know, swirling around the pages. And uh, yeah, this is this is awesome. This is what I want from Nintendo Power Art. Yeah, you know, the, there's the dragon on the first page who's kind of coming out of a waterfall. The art here looks a little bit different. Like this almost looks like this seems reminiscent of the art from the original Final Fantasy strategy guide that Nintendo Power put out. Yes, I I agree. Um, where everything else feels more like the you know kind of colored pencil-y stuff that we we can kind of tend to expect from Nintendo Power. Right. Uh, still very very good stuff. There's little pictures of all of the bosses. There's a really funny to me picture of I think it's like. You know, the Ryu from Ninja Gaiden, like a jump, like with his legs tucked in. But it does kind of just look like he's laying in a fetal position in the middle of a bunch of fire. Right. And it's like, yeah, we've all been there, buddy. <laughs> I know that feel. Yeah. I I do like this sort of thing where it's just like Nintendo Power artists taking a sprite and kind of giving it their artistic yeah. you know, reinterpretation. Absolutely. And it's unfortunately something we're going to start seeing less and less as we go on. Because I think that Nintendo was more interested in letting the graphics of the Super Nintendo kind of speak for themselves. Like there was this attitude of like, oh, the graphics are good enough. We don't really need to, you know, interpret it for anybody because it's it's more explicit as to what it is. Yeah, I mean, this is like literally kind of what we're going to see later on in this issue where we do have some coverage of Super Nintendo games and they are much heavier on big screenshots from the games than they are on uh, this kind of artistic flourish. And yeah, just like this is a very elaborate and like really thoughtfully done layout for the whole thing. You've got lots of good insets of, of different, like, you know, close up screenshots of different parts of the levels. Cause this is doing the classic Nintendo power strategy guide thing. We've got big, you know, layouts of, of a bunch of the levels from the game, uh, you know, little, little boxes in set to point out like where various secrets are and stuff. But yeah, like the, the emphasis is absolutely on using the art to depict these things in a way that is like artistically evocative. So yeah. Um, I love this. This is like an ideal Nintendo power, um, you know, section, I feel like. And yeah, this is what this is what you come to the magazine for. Like, even if you don't even if you weren't interested in Ninja Gaiden three at the time, like you would have really enjoyed looking through like all these really nice uh, level maps consisting of, you know, screenshots from the game itself. All of the really cool artwork. This is a really, really handsome layout. I love it. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, I think that they're sort of walkthrough of the game is honestly pretty well written. It's pretty engaging. And it's one of those things where like you can follow along with it and kind of get like a semblance of like the vibe of the game uh, just based on the way they're describing it, which is pretty cool. But I don't really feel like I need to say anything particular about what they're, what they're doing there. Uh, And I guess that means we can move on to uh, our old buddy Nestor, Nestor's Adventures is the next thing up here kind of a different sort of Nestor's adventure than we're used to seeing from 
the uh, 93 issues. Yeah, I think this was a pretty short lived kind of era of Nestor's adventures. Uh, this might be the year after Howard Phillips left. And this is like so they're still kind of trying to figure out what to do with this comic. Yeah. And here we've got, um, you know, like a Nestor who's got like a mom and kid things going on, but then also sort of escapes into his imagination to, you know, like yeah. reenact a different video game. I guess here we're going for Robin Hood. Yeah. Was this, this was a game, I guess I, this must've been. Yeah. I guess they made a Robin Hood game. I don't, I'm not familiar with the specific one. This is more support sort of highlighting like how cool, discovering secrets and games is than anything. I'll be honest. I kind of like this. I kind of like this format. It's not bad. It's a lot better. It's, he is really, really, uh, extremely mean to his mom. Yeah, that I'm not, but I think this is straight up a much better comic than most of what we've seen in 93, because the, the, the ones we're accustomed to, the ones I'm accustomed to certainly are Nestor is inside a marginally recognizable version of a video game. He does something stupid and usually gets hurt. And then there's a, like a very weak joke that ties it all together at the end. Yeah. Whereas this is not that this is a little bit more of like an actual little bit of a story here. Like this is, this almost feels a little bit more like, like, Calvin and Hobbes esque to me and in the sense that like it is a bit more. Yeah, it's it's like an actual kid living in the world, but also he escapes into his imagination. And instead of, you know, like Spaceman Spiff, like Calvin had, you know, things based on probably like what the artist remembered of, you know, like old sci fi serials and stuff like that. Uh-huh. You know, he's imagining himself in video games, which I think a lot of kids probably could have related to at this point. And sure. I'd have liked to see I, I would like to have seen a world in which they stuck with this format and kind of developed Nestor as a character a little bit better. Yeah, I agree. I think it would have been better and more more entertaining in a lot of ways than the very very kind of weak sauce things that we we have ultimately gotten out of the Nestor comics. Yeah, like I'm not going to say this is amazing, but I think this is a better fit for the character. And I, I think that there's I, I see a lot more potential here. And I think it's a shame that they kind of abandoned this format. I, I'm pretty sure after this year. Um, but anyway, long story short, uh, uh, Nestor's mom has lost her car keys and he is helping her find them. Uh, turns out she left them in the car door i guess she's a little absent-minded also he's he's got a blonde friend here who looks a lot like a little kid version of howard to be honest that is funny but true yeah uh i will say uh the art in this generally pretty decent yeah the blonde kid in the first panel though looks like a creepy puppet yeah like i hate the way he looks in, in that for his head is very tiny. Well, I, I think it's just because uh, Nestor's uh, head is very, very large. Well, Nestor and his mom both have bigger heads though. Like yeah. the, I don't know. It's weird. And when the kid shows up again at the end of the comic, he looks a little more normal at least. So yeah, I don't know. I like this comic 
a decent yeah. bit though. But no, yeah, I didn't notice that. Now I can't unsee it. But yeah, like they did not proportion that other kid's head in the same way that like all the other characters are proportioned, and it's really really weird. It is also the only comic we get in this issue. This is a two-page comic, which is different from what we're used to from Nestor. But there is no other comic about a Nintendo property in here. So uh, so yeah, this is this is what you got as far as a comic in in yeah. this issue um, of the magazine. I think we'll have to wait for ninety-two for that. But boy, are we going to get some comics in 92 and that might be that might be one of the reasons i wanted to go back and do the older months again maybe so that we could talk about those you know fair (laughs) yeah i got dragon warrior 3 uh which we get a pretty thorough little walkthrough of here in addition to kind of a little retrospective thing on original Dragon Warrior and Dragon Warrior 2. And this is coming right off the heels of the the Dragon Warrior uh, cartridge giveaway, where uh, I believe if you subscribe to Nintendo Power during a certain period of time, they would just give you a copy of Dragon Warrior. And I, I think I must have missed out on that one because I never had this game, but I knew a lot of people who did, and that was probably the reason why. Yeah, because the game... I. You know, I might not be correct about this, but my impression has always been that, like, Dragon Warrior, original Dragon Warrior, did not sell very well. So they thought, well, we'll just give it to people. And then hopefully when we put out additional games in this genre or in this series, people will kind of know what's up because they got to play this one. Yeah, they they wanted to get, get American gamers into RPGs in a way that they were not at the time. Yeah, it's a, it was a real project of theirs throughout the eight and 16 bit eras. I think that is in a lot of ways that may actually be why uh, super Mario RPG ends up existing is uh, as sort of like a, a way to get, I, I guess mostly Westerners, right. Who were not really into RPGs, get them to try it yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, Hey, Hey man, the, the, the first, the first hits free. Go on. Yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah. Another interesting thing about this feature that I, I'm just noticing now is we get like this little sports score-esque box at the at the beginning here that kind of breaks down some things, including how much memory the game pack had and the kind of chip that was in it. That's interesting. I, that is interesting, yeah. I, I, I'm assuming that's what that is. It says MMC1. I'm guessing that's memory mapper chip one. Yeah, memory mapper chip one. Yeah, that's right. You usually don't see them being that upfront about this stuff. Yeah. You know, I know this was kind of a way, though, that I remember at least for a few of the big Squaresoft um, and I guess also NX, you know, Super Nintendo RPGs talking about the technical quality of the games and the amount of memory they used was a thing that got done pretty frequently as part of the attempt to convince people that these games were like a big deal. How look at how much effort had to go into making something this big and dragon warrior three, from my understanding, I've never played this game. My understanding is that it is a, a pretty dang big game for a, for an NES game. I, you know, other than seeing a lot of my friends playing dragon warrior one, I'm not too familiar with the Dragon Warrior series on the NES. Um, my uh, my cousin was a huge fan of Dragon Warrior 4, which was also an NES game. Uh, and um, I know, so because of that, I know kind of the most about that one of the NES games. But I think they're, they're generally still pretty beloved, even 
even, you know, with the fact that they were pretty early RPGs. Um, I do know one thing that's pretty fun about Dragon Warrior 3 is that it essentially starts out, and I guess that's kind of alluded to here in the walkthrough, it starts out in basically the world map of original Dragon Warrior, like in that like landmass, and then eventually it reveals that the actual world of this game is is much, much bigger. And you eventually venture away from that landmass and go to all of these other places. Uh, so it's like a big reveal of like a much bigger scale than you might have expected. One of the party members uh, or one of the uh, party member classes is just goof off. That's kind of funny. Uh-huh. That is funny. But yeah, we also have very cool artwork here in this in this again. Um, we have really good like hand-drawn versions of the world map from the game. We have some really cool drawings of essentially scenes from the game. And we have really cool uh, borders on all the pages. Uh, but yeah, we got, you know, kind of the standard way that Nintendo Power likes to handle RPGs, which is to do kind of a you know, a little sort of point by point thing for where you go in the game and what you should do there. And, yeah. um, yeah, you know, it's just good. It's not really quite a full strategy guide, but it is a, a good sort of overall walkthrough of the game. And yeah, it does actually kind of make me feel like playing it. Um, you know, I don't know what the best way to play dragon warrior three is these days, but, uh, yeah, it does kind of make me feel like, you know what, this seems like a good one. This seems like a fun game that probably is still pretty engaging, even if it is a little bit uh, of an early RPG, you know? There, there have to be, like, compilations of all these games around There this are point, compilations. Right? There's also remakes of a lot of them. Uh, they, they did remake a lot of these for, like, the DS and stuff mm -hmm. with, like, better graphics and, you know, sort of more expanded gameplay and everything, so... But yeah, so yeah, uh, Dragon Warrior 3 getting a pretty big showcase here in the magazine. NES Achievers, we got people submitting that, hey, I finished a game for most of these, except Dr. Mario, yeah. people submitting high scores. Um, over over yeah. half a million points in Dr. Mario by uh, Justin Schaefer of Rocky River, Ohio. So Justin, if you're out there, good job. Good job, good job Justin, yeah. yeah. There is a list of people who claim they've finished uh, Bart versus the Space Mutants, and I'm pretty sure those people are all liars. So, you know, uh, still, still some lying going on here, I'm sure. Yep. Nobody's ever finished that game. Nobody, nobody has. Well, I don't believe it. Somebody may have had a Game Genie back then and maybe did a little bit of trickery to make okay. it look like they weren't using one. I don't know. but um, Okay. Okay. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, we go on to Counselor's Corner. We got some questions about... Uh, the Simpsons, Bart versus the Space Mutants. Don't know yep. how much help any of that's going to be because that game just didn't control very well from what I remember. Although no, it's, it's been it a while not. since I have played it. It didn't control very well, and it was full of really inscrutable puzzle solutions. So, yeah. Um, which I guess they can help you with the solutions, but it's not like the game's going to do you any favors otherwise. Nope. So uh, We got some stuff for Ultima, Quest of the Avatar... Uh, we got some stuff yep. about Battletoads. How do I get past the snakes? Or better question, why are these levels? What what were they thinking here? What what is why is this? Yeah. I've never understood those right? levels. Like what a weird thing. I don't know. Their hot tips for getting past the snake are basically 
I don't know, jump real good. <laughs> yeah, like, kick good. And then we move on to a feature about Darkman for the NES. Remember Darkman? Sure do. Remember Darkman? The movie, and also remember this game a little bit. I have tried to play the first level of this. It is miserable. We played this on a video, didn't we? Yeah, a long, long time ago. Um, this is... Um you're getting kind of a low score on the power meter for theme and fun, at least by Nintendo power standards. Cause yes, indeed. Uh, 2.5 out of, I'm assuming five, although I don't actually know. I think it's five. I think it's out of five. Yeah. They do still go on to do several whole pages of, yeah. of strategy uh, guide about it though. I get the feeling that the, fo- that the folks at Nintendo power didn't care all that much about this game because the, there are no backgrounds in this feature. Nope, there are not. There are a couple of little drawings of enemies, I guess. And items. And like somebody drew a potion bottle items. for the chemicals. Not much going on here. I'm going to say they weren't feeling terribly inspired. and uh, Can't blame them, really. I will say the later levels of this thing look abysmal. Like as bad as that first level is, uh, God, I would not want to play any of these later ones. Nah. The girders? Just yikes. Um, But then we get a Star Wars poster. We do. It's a Star Wars poster. You can't say it's not. It's starring Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, and Han Solo. (sighs) Once again, the Chewbacca erasure is, uh, (laughs) is, is strong. Special feature, Game Boy. We got, what is this? Um, Just... Stuff about Game Boy games, and here's where we get our our cover feature with the first Mega Man. Now, this image of Mega Man that's on the first page of this here, this is reused, right? They've used this in older Nintendo Power before, or is this is this a, a new piece of art just in that same kind of airbrush style? Is this just not ripped from the Mega Man Three US cover? Because it looks like that Mega Man. Oh yeah, I guess it. I guess it is. Yeah. I guess it is. Or maybe they, they redrew it, but they definitely referenced that that specific version of Mega Man. He's got like the, the weird uh, ribbed arm cannon. <laughs> he sure does. I mean, at least like this is the first U.S. cover where it looks actually like Mega Man. Yeah, it's a lot better than the really infamously bad one from the original game or the slightly less bad one from Mega Man 2. Yeah. But yeah, I'm looking at the Mega Man 3 box art now and it is just this this image. Okay. It's flipped, but it's that image. Okay. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, so uh in this game we get Electman, Iceman, uh Cutman and Fireman. So uh sorry if you were a big fan of Gutsman or Bomb Man, but uh, they they didn't make the cut. Nope. They didn't make the cut, man. The guts, this game does not have it. It does have a really fun little drawing of a Mac, though. Yeah, yeah. It's got uh, the little little hard hat guys. Yeah. Yeah, we got that. We got like a a Sniper Joe in one of the pages. Oh, yeah, that's a good Sniper Joe. I like it. I I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and then you fight uh, Quick Man, Flash Man, Fire Man, and Bubble Man from Mega Man 2 later on. So you get uh, Fireman and Heatman. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. They get fire. They just wrote Fireman in there twice. That's heat. That should be Heatman. Yes, they did do that. Yeah. I mean, OK, again, I understand, you know, they have to create different. You know, it's like, OK, well, uh, what other word is there for fire? We need another Fireman in this game. So what haven't we used yet? Torchman. Great. OK, it's Torchman. 
Uh-huh. Uh, a flame man, blaze man, uh, 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 match man. This is why they had to move to the animal name things yeah. with Mega Man X. They had run out of, it's like, no, 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 this isn't a flame man. This is a flame mammoth. It's very different. Yeah. Yep. And it was. <laughs> it was. Uh, he was a big old mammoth man. Uh, I'm so excited to get to that game. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Final Fantasy Legend 2 on Game Boy. Uh, you know, some more good art here. Uh, not quite yep. as much, but, you know, there's some. Yep. There's a good demon, uh, really fun little demon guy in the lower right-hand corner of yeah. the spread there. I think technically Final Fantasy Legend is the series that we, in the in general, know as the Saga series. So, like, Romancing Saga, Saga Frontier, uh, all of those things. I think that's essentially what this is, but they were calling it Final Fantasy Legend here in America because that was a name that they already were using here. So, yeah, yeah. But there was like that Mystic Quest series that they called Final Fantasy Mystic Quest over here. Or was that a different series altogether? No, that was different. That's different series uh, altogether. Because Final Fantasy Mystic Quest is the the weird stripped down uh, U.S. version of Final Fantasy that they made uh, right, but here. What was it, it, it? It is not connected to, to Mystic Quest. It was just it was not is not connected to the thing that in I think this is really complicated. Yeah. I think in Europe that series was called Mystic Quest, but I don't know what the Japanese. I think it might have just been Final Fantasy American in Japan. Honestly, oh, okay. okay. Uh, I'm so. I'm sorry I even opened up that can of worms. We do not have time to go into it. <laughs> no. Um, and anything else about Final Fantasy Legend? I mean, I like that this layout image of one of the levels reveals that it is just a giant human body. Yes. That's fun. I don't I don't know how apparent that is if you're just playing the game, but I hope it is because that's a very fun thing. But uh, yeah, I don't know. This looks like a pretty decent Game Boy RPG. I'm not really sure how it holds up today, but it's probably kind of weird and interesting because the Saga games just generally tend to be. Uh, Let's see. Next up, we got Days of Thunder. This is a racing game of some kind for the Game Boy. Yeah, I guess uh, based on the Tom Cruise movie, Days of Thunder, which um, I don't know anything about that movie. So this article here is how I learned that the main character of that is named Cole Trickle. And uh, that's just an unfortunate name. Yeah. It's just not great. But like, but it's a racing game, so it's not really just like about whatever. I mean, like, I, I'm guessing the movie was about racing, but. Yeah. This seems like they, they just could have called this like Daytona Game Boy or whatever. And, and essentially it's the same game. Yeah, yeah. almost certainly. Yeah. Um. But it does look like it's like a first person perspective racing game on the Game Boy. Yes, it does appear. To, it does appear to be. I wonder how well this worked. Probably it was pretty jank, but certainly ambitious. Yeah, I'm going to have to immediately check out a uh, long play of this because I just want to see how well this could have possibly run back in the day on the, on the Game Boy. Uh, that will be uh, for another time. Game Boy gets its own classified information here. I don't think they did that for very long. It seems like it makes more sense to just combine it all into one big thing. They Basically, this is an entire little section of the magazine that is 
the magazine in miniature, but just for the Game Boy. I think they really wanted to push the Game Boy hard this issue. And I mean, they, they put a Game Boy game on the cover, which is not something they did very often. I wonder if they kept this going for any length of time at all, or if this was just a one issue thing. I, I guess we'll find out. Uh, but yeah, we've even got its own kind of now playing section here. You know, in, in a way, I kind of don't mind this sort of like partitioning off of Game Boy stuff like this. I, it it uh-huh. kind of works yeah. for me in a way. Um but we'll see how long they stick with it. We also get this Game Boy Ultimate Design Contest where you can design your own Game Boy. Yes, uh, and that is very fun. There's a little image here. Basically, this is a contest, and there is a uh, you know kind of blank image of a Game Boy here that you are supposed to cut off, draw on, and then mail to uh, Nintendo in, in Redmond. And um, I guess we'll be seeing the the winners of this eventually in a later issue of the magazine. But they are very careful to tell you not to do this to your real Game yeah, Boy. Yeah, even though um, there's a lot of custom Game Boys you can get out there. There's a there's a Vaporwave store that just sure. sells straight up like Vaporwave custom Game Boys, and it's pretty neat. I'm uh, I'm very tempted. That's sick, They're expensive, yeah. but I'm very tempted to do it. Mm-hmm. I, I think they even like mod it with a backlight. Oh, that's cool. Uh, but they even have like a few examples here of uh, some modded Game Boys with some uh, pretty neat designs, I think. And uh, the grand prize of this uh, for three people is that uh, they will actually do this to a real Game Boy and give it to you. Yeah. So... Yeah, Ooh, pretty I wonder, cool. wonder where um, those Game Boys are now. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. I'd love to see them, though. I'd be really curious. Do you remember, Does this, this does show up in a later issue, right? I think so. I'm, I'm not remembering off the top of my head. Like, these custom Game Boys that they show as examples, I definitely remember these. I do not remember. I'm having a hard time remembering if they show, like, the winners, or if, like, they just show the winners' drawings, or if they actually show the Game Boys that they received as a result of this. I don't know. That seems like one of those things that like Art of NP would need to get his hands on at some point. One of these custom Game Boys, if they exist. Definitely. Yeah. Well, all right, folks, here we are. The moment we've all been waiting for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System preview yeah boy the next generation is coming we're talking about super mario world also gradius 3 and act razor but really it's super mario world <laughs> mario world is is the one that gets the real prime treatment here and uh you know they don't need to do a ton to sell this game but everything they say about it is true a lot of times when nintendo power hypes something up they're they're kind of just talking about like the good parts of it but yeah when they talk about the like <laughs> vast number of secrets in the game and all the cool different power-ups and stuff uh yeah man this is this is just the game uh you know this is a winner and they they are just happy to show it off here uh there is also a couple of bits of really good original art in here as well which is which is fun yeah and i don't know if these would have come from like nintendo power artists specifically or if this was more like done by you know in-house Nintendo artists in some other department or whatever, you know, like marketing or whatever that, that, that would have been, you know, would have done this. Although I don't know this one, there's one piece here that is like a, a globe in which uh, we've got different islands kind of dotting this globe with various yes. Mario world enemies, which 
I almost wonder if they they looked at this and say, you know, we're kind of getting ideas years later for things like the uh, oh, for Mario Galaxy. Yeah, well, I was thinking like the the Raphael the Raven fight in oh, the, Yoshi's oh, Island. Oh yeah, from Yoshi's Island. But oh yeah, of yeah, course. but but yeah. then also yeah, like from that you get Super Mario Galaxy as well, uh, years and years later, but. Really cool stuff. We get a good look at the Super Nintendo controller. Um, and, yep, that is that is that controller. Kind of like the controller that even today is, is, like, the basis for most video game controllers these days. It's really true, yeah. We've swapped the D-pad out for, you know, dual joysticks, but, you know, or dual... dual uh, Analog sticks, yeah. And, and you know, they you typically have a, a pair of triggers on top instead of just one on each side, but... Yeah, but, but yeah, I mean, this is this is the format, essentially, for, for almost every standard video game controller is the Super Nintendo controller uh, with additions, so, yeah. And we also get the Super Mario World map... Yep. World map, but uh, but drawn and it's it's really cool. I really it love is this awesome. Drawing. Yeah. Now, I just looked. This image is in the manual for the game. OK, so this is not a piece of original Nintendo power art, but it's perfectly featured here. Uh, so, yeah, it's great. Uh, I love this. Uh, I think, uh, you know, is there a more iconic for like a platform game, especially world map than this one? I don't know. Like maybe some of the Final Fantasy maps could give it a run for its money. Probably, probably. Um, but this one is really, really good. It, it will never leave my brain uh, as long as I live. I, I remember spending so much time with this game, just poking around in all the levels, seeing if I could find you know other stuff. And um, yeah, uh, and then we get uh, Gradius three, and this is where you know we were kind of talking about it. Like we get really big screenshots. Yeah. And I mean, like I can understand why these are very visually impressive looking things, especially, you know, right in a world where the Super Nintendo hasn't come out yet. If your gaming knowledge is mostly NES and Game Boy, this would have blown your mind back then. Like these look amazing. Of course it would. Yeah, that's really kind of the choice they make here. Big screenshots of the bosses, uh, stage by stage breakdown of kind of the locations but not full uh, full maps of them because this is just kind of a preview, and yeah, uh, loads and loads of big screen screenshots over these these pages. So yeah, not exciting on the art front, but I think a decent layout just overall. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely understand why for this preview they want to focus on these screenshots and these really big enemies. Like even now, like you look at this and it's like, hey, these these are some really these look good. Yeah. Yeah. These are some really cool looking giant boss sprites. These are neat uh, for sure. Yeah. We get act racer and this it, it, like the feature for this is a bit more lackluster than everything else has been in the preview up to this point. Yeah, I, I uh, agree. Yeah. But uh like, we know this is a good game because we played it, but I don't really know that this feature kind of sells you on the game particularly well. I mean, it, it lays out stuff in pretty, you know, digestible chunks for this game that that, that has. Yep, that's you know, true. A lot of very different things going on, which is kind of neat. Um, and it, once again, we get, you know, we, we get the sprites of some of the, the bosses that are pretty nice looking. I don't. I don't know if if this is quite as impressive as uh, as the Gradius three bosses, but it's neat. How do you feel about Bill and Ted's phone booth? Okay, I have questions. Mm-hmm. Was this actually 
the phone booth that they used in Bill and Ted in, in the the movie Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure because like yeah right first of all they say this is a working telephone booth I have a hard time believing that they made sure that the telephone booth prop that they used in the movie had a working telephone in it so like either they retrofitted it with that mm-hmm. or this is just a replica it just seems unlikely that Nintendo Power would have had in their possession the actual prop from the movie Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure what you're getting is a phone booth installed in your home that is what you're getting does anyone actually want that like I get you know like you make a joke by like oh phone booth what's that in the year 2023 uh, you know like but like, I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about, like, in its time and place. I think that if you were a kid applying to this contest, you probably thought this was a cool idea. I bet your parents didn't think that, though. <laughs> and I don't know what they would do if you won the contest and they suddenly had to deal with the reality of this thing existing inside their home. Now, it does also say that your phone bill will be paid by Nintendo Power for an entire year, so maybe that softens the blow of having unintentionally acquired a nightmare piece (laughs) of uh, movie memorabilia that you now have to live with and cart around if you ever move. But I don't know. I don't know. Like some of these players poll contests have really strange prizes. This is a real weird one. I yeah, maybe the weirdest like one. Even if it I've is seen. the actual. I, I don't know that that makes it better, frankly. Yeah. If the, if it's the actual one, because then I think maybe you feel like you have some responsibility to take care of it. I just I can't see a lot of adults being happy about that. There were many, many, many phone booth props that they probably built for the movie. And this is just like one this of them. This is almost certainly true. Yeah. Yes. I'm sure this is correct. Maybe that's what's going on here. Um, like, 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 is Keanu Reeves coming to your house to deliver it? Like, did, did, did the actors in the movie sign it? Like, what what is so important about Because, I mean, like, you know, they're saying like, oh, hey, it's a it's a working phone booth. But like, yeah, they're surely not knocking out one of your walls to install this thing. It's just like. It's got a phone cord that you plug into one of your phone jacks on your wall, right? Like, that's got to be what it is. Uh-huh. Okay, look, folks, if you know the person who won this contest, please reach out to us. I need to know. I have questions that need to be answered. I may not be able to sleep well until I have these answers. Oh, no. Oh, God. Okay. What? So I just did a quick Google search. I did find a cracked article about what happened with this phone booth. Oh, really? It does not... Yes, indeed. Uh, okay, please, please tell me. Okay, um, so yeah, uh, this is a cracked article that I have found uh, just from Googling it that is titled, uh, What Happened to the Phone Booth from Bill and Ted is Heinous. It is by J.M. McNabb, uh, posted on June 11th, 2020. Uh, it's not a long article, so you can read it if you want, but uh, it seems like The kid who won this, the teenager who won this, there's a Reddit AMA from this guy who seems like he is not a cool person. Oh. Uh, He seems to have a lot of bad opinions about women. uh, And also that, uh, no, the phone uh, wasn't actually a real phone. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Not a real phone. Uh, He did have to buy a real phone for it and was later reimbursed by Nintendo. So, yeah. And now it's in storage. Now it is in storage. So 
Yeah. Uh, thank you, J.M. McNabb, for putting in the work of reading this kind of crappy dude's Reddit AMA about the Bill and Ted phone booth that he won from Nintendo Power. Does not seem like a great story overall. Okay. Well, um, now we know. At least I'll be able to sleep tonight knowing what happened. Um, maybe Art of NP ought to reach out to... Well, I don't know. That guy doesn't sound like he would be pleasant to talk to, but... Doesn't seem like it, yeah. I don't know. Uh, to be fair, the Reddit AMA the, the Reddit AMA was from like 2011, so maybe he's better now. I don't know. Probably not, but who can say? What do you know? An, another kid who played video games when he was younger in the 90s who grew up to not be a great person. Uh, anyway. got now playing we've got super jeopardy which is not a super nintendo game uh this is on the nes nope a game called triumph which i'm not sure i'm terribly familiar with but it looks kind of like chess it's uh, that's what they compare it to here they compare it to chess and yeah uh i don't know uh it looks like it's got a bunch of different board layouts that looks kind of interesting but uh i don't know if it's good or not and we will never know if Triumph was any good. It got canceled before release. They talk about the Captain Planet game here, which I do know is not good. Oh, no kidding. A licensed game on the NES that wasn't very good, huh? You don't say. The bad guy in the game, Hoggish Greedly, uh, his his big plan appears to be drilling for oil in national park lands. Uh, literally something the Trump administration tried to do. Captain Captain Planet seems like such a bad cartoon because it's like, oh, no one's this cartoonishly evil is just going to pollute for no good reason. It's like, oh, no, no, actually that. No, this anyway, um, yeah. Where's Waldo? Uh, this NES game I is notorious for being like um, a mess. Like, yes, it is. It's barely it's not really a Waldo game. It's some it's kind of a weird it's a weird thing. And it doesn't make any sense. You can't properly depict what Where's Waldo is on the NES. It just doesn't work. So, yeah, it's just kind of like, hey, here's a bunch of things that here's a bunch of sprites that look vaguely like people. Which one of them is supposed to be Waldo? Give up? Yeah, we don't blame you. Yeah. Now, this next thing is quite interesting. We've got uh, World of Nintendo, which is advertising other Nintendo related products. We've got. Um, these things, I think everybody who uh, who was handed out the fun scholastic marketing materials every month or so at their school, uh, the Nintendo Adventure Books, the a series of choose your own adventure books starring the Mario Brothers. There may have been other Nintendo franchises that got those, too. I just mostly remember the Mario ones. I remember reading through some of those and um, getting Mario and Luigi killed in like kind of graphic ways at times. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much the fun of choose your own adventure books is getting a ton of different bad endings and going, oh, well, Mario and Luigi are dead now. Eviscerated. Uh, if I if I put this book down right now, Mario and Luigi have just been burned to death. And um, that's just the, the, the world I live in now. That's my headcanon now. I'm, I'm done with the book. Yep. Yep. Um, we've also got uh, electronic <laughs> crayons. I don't know what this is. Um, it looks like um like a drawing program sort of thing for the computer uh, okay. uh, or like a coloring program for the computer. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe a little bit color, color a dinosaur Ooh. In, Ooh, in a way. Um, 
probably better than that. Yeah. But, you know, um, also, there's also like a Super Mario Brothers print world. This would be an interesting thing to try and emulate. I'm trying to. Mm, unfortunately, they didn't have a, a Mac version, but. Oh, high tech expressions available for IBM compatible computers and Commodore slash Apple. Oh, it does say Apple computers. You're right. Huh? It does say Apple. Yeah. Hmm. So you could you could maybe get this working on on your your machine. Yeah, I'll have to see. I will have to I'll have to look into that because I didn't even know that that was a thing that existed. Um, Yeah, that would be kind of fun to like. I love watching videos where people pull up old print shop programs and make like those really you know, like dorky thing, like uh, um, LGR lazy game reviewers. He does things with like print shop on occasion. Like there's the, mm-hmm. the, the crab with the sunglasses. That's fine. <laughs> just random stuff that they had in some of those old print shop programs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And also we get game sounds. I, I wonder if this is even a thing that actually came out. I've never heard of this thing before. Yeah. Uh, I guess like headphones that you can connect directly to your NES and then and they're and they're wireless. Yeah. So I guess it, it broadcasts it to a device that connected to your headphones. Yeah. From a device that you connect to your NES. But yeah, like you, I, I've never seen or heard of this. I would have to do more research to see if that even actually came out. Looks like this product did, in fact, come out. Uh, anyway, we got the the rankings. We've talked about this kind of stuff before. There's not too much interesting here. It's it's all NES stuff at this point. Maybe some. Are there any Game Boy games in here? It doesn't look like it. It looks well, like this they is gave all Game Boy its own thing in this issue. So I, maybe oh, they. Of course they did. Yeah, you're right. Uh, one thing that is a little interesting here is they've got a list of uh, of of picks. They got a list of top games here from three different categories of people. Players' picks, pros' picks, and dealers' picks, which I assume is like people running retailers or something. I don't know what dealers' picks is. I, yeah, I don't know what most of this means. I don't know what pros mean in this case either, honestly. Yeah, very mysterious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and not explained at all. Yeah, because I always assumed that these rankings were coming from the, the players' polls. Yeah, I don't I don't know what what dealers and pros means in this context. Like I don't know like who a professional video game player is in 1991, you know. Uh I don't know, but they do seem to be bigger fans of JRPGs than uh than anybody else is because their top 3 games are Final Fantasy, Crystallis and Dragon Warrior 2. Maybe someday we'll find out. Um we also got a thing, uh, a little uh, celebrity profile with Macaulay Culkin, which is um, yep. timely as we're recording this. He just got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Uh, he sure did. Um, seems to be doing OK these days, actually. Yeah, you know, what? I'm glad. I'm glad he's doing OK. You know, he's got a family. He's uh, he's married to uh, what's her name? Brenda Song. Uh, so, yeah. Um, and another like former child actor. Um and, uh, yeah, uh, he's doing all right. Um, and, uh, clearly, uh, at the top of the world in, uh, 90, totally happy and good. And, you know, everything's going great for him according to this yeah. profile. Um, they do mention that he is, uh, the fourth of seven children in a stage struck family, which that should have probably been ringing some alarm bells in people's heads back then. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, they do. They do mention uh, Kieran uh, Culkin, who was eight years old at the time. The 
uh, Culkin brother who would go on to be by far the most successful as like an overall actor uh, of anybody uh, in this family. So, yeah. Um, and moving on, we've got Pack Watch. We are looking into games that are uh, hopefully coming out I'll, just around gonna, the corner. Just around out. the corner is Bioforce yeah. Ape. Bioforce Ape, uh, a, a game that never ended up actually coming out, but which has a fascinating story uh, regarding its uh, its eventual discovery and uh, dumping onto the Internet. That you should definitely go read uh, the Lost Levels uh, website has a very good article by Danny Cowan, uh, one of my favorite uh, games journalist people uh, and streamers about BioForce Ape that, that they wrote when um, when the the ROM of this game eventually finally did get dumped uh, onto the internet in the. Uh, I, I guess this happened in like the 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 middle of the 2010s, but uh, yeah, Bioforce Ape's a weird game, uh, and uh, yeah, the thing they are describing here in the magazine is the game. It is truly what ended up coming out. It's uh, a weird kind of humorous brawler with really good graphics and really really almost uncomfortably fast scrolling where you are a uh, a really swole ape man who does wrestling moves on, like, humanoid bees and uh, uh, kangaroo men in some kind of big underground complex. Yeah, and uh, it, I, I do have to say, like, Nintendo Power called it here, um, saying it has one of the coolest game names to come along in a while. Yeah, Bioforce Ape, like... That just grabs your attention. Like, what? Bioforce Ape? What? Yeah. What is this? What is it? What is it? And then people spent like 20 years wondering, <laughs> what is it? Uh, and, and then we finally found out because someone somewhere finally dumped it. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. I do like this picture of the, the Bioforce Ape head, I guess. Yep. That's the guy. That's him. That's that. That is the, the titular Bioforce Ape. That's the that's the Bioforce Ape. That's him. Okay, I think that's from the title screen. All right. Well, I I I'm <laughs> yeah happy to meet you, Mister Ape. To which I'm sure he would respond. Please just call me Bioforce. Mister Ape is my father's name. That's right. Yes. Also, just around the corner is Nightshade. Um, mm-hmm. Don't know what this is. Um, I, I no, don't... me either. I don't think I've ever heard of this. It's it's described as essentially kind of a point and click adventure game about a superhero. I don't know. I, this is not what I'm familiar with. I, I do like that. They um, say at the end of the preview here, we're anxious to see how it stacks up against Lucasfilm games, superhero title defenders of Dynatron city, um, which mm-hmm. is a game that also has a weird story behind it. Cause I think it was meant to be a cartoon with a, a pretty stacked cast from what I remember when we, Looked at that a, mm-hmm. a long time ago, and, and but just yes, didn't. that's right. Yeah, the cartoon either like was recorded and never released, or never manifested, or maybe it was a pilot and they just didn't do anything mm-hmm. with it. I can't remember, but yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff that we're talking about here that did not actually happen. <laughs> okay, and actually, forget what I said about Bioforce Ape. This is the best game name ever. Kickmaster. Kickmaster. It's just right to the point. Like, yeah, what's this game? It's Kickmaster. Isn't that, like, literally the name of the game from the Brack show, like, that they were playing? I think it is, yeah. Oh, no, no, wait, sorry, sorry. It was Head Kicker. I think it was, like, Head, head Kicker. Head Kicker, okay. I mean, like, 
It's like if you ask somebody to just come up with the name of the most generic game in the world, it's like, I don't know, Kickmaster? Yeah, sure, why not? This is also a game I've never heard of, but uh, I like yeah. the, the look of these screenshots. I like the weird big octopus guy in one of them. Yeah. This looks like a good time. Uh, I would probably be excited for this if I had an NES and was was reading the magazine in 91. So, yeah. Well, there we go. And uh, unfortunately, we'll never get the the Bioforce Ape Kickmaster crossover, but... Well, never say never, you know. We got that weird Ubisoft show, so I I don't rule anything out anymore, so... And uh, hey, then we got um, CES, the Consumer Electronics Show. We got um, this is, of course, the uh, the precursor to E3, which uh, is still going strong to this day. And uh, oh, hang on, hang on, I've, I'm I'm getting uh, I'm getting a telegram here. That's that's weird. That's weird to get. You know, just hand me the the paper. Oh, oh no, oh no. I'm I'm afraid E3's been canceled forever. Oh my, huh? Who could have foreseen okay. this? Oh my goodness. Hmm. Yeah. Um, what are we gonna do without E3? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, um, so but the, they had just come back from CES. We've got uh, Flintstones and American Gladiators. Maybe the the only time you'll see those two things on the same page of a magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's a lot of text yeah, here. We, we got oh oh, you know what? We got Barbie. We've got Barbie in the flesh here. Yeah, Barbie. Yeah. Um. Yep. There she is. So do you do you think this is a better Barbie than um, Margot Robbie right here? Would you say? Well, the hair is pretty impressive. Yeah. I have to say. I mean, it's really. It looks like the hair of a doll, mm-hmm. uh, definitely. You know, I can't really see the feet. I don't know how she's doing with the uh, the, the high heel walk. Uh, so, uh, you know, there, there's some text over her feet. So I can't make a good det- determination. It there. looks like she's just wearing sneakers, actually. So that's in that case. Yeah, no, yeah. no, it's that's not that's not the way there is a there's a mention here of games that are coming up. Yeah. In the Super Nintendo section here. Freaking Equinox, the sequel to Solstice, is mentioned here as something that's coming. Unbelievable. There are years, literal years of mention of Equinox in this magazine. I've got to do more research into this game, figure out what the hell happened with this. Like, they are still talking about this as a game that is on its way in 1993. Yeah, that in like it doesn't come out until like what 94, 95 according to what we've the, the info that we've got. Yeah. Correct, yeah. So weird. So so weird. So weird. Um also we got Zelda 3, classic Zelda 3. Zelda 3, which they do use the phrase links with the past in the in the 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 text of the article here. Um so uh Maybe they knew that was the name of the game and they were putting in a little sly wink to it. Oh, interesting. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Zelda three is what they are, speci- what they are officially calling the game or, in the magazine here. Or do you think that, that they wrote this and then somebody else at Nintendo looked at it and said, Eureka, we've got it. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe this is the origin of the phrase. That would actually My be kind of, that. That would be pretty wild if that that'd was the truth. Gr- that'd be great if that was the case. Probably not, but you know, who, who knows? You know, Nintendo. We, knows, we don't know. Yeah. It's Nintendo. No. They don't tell us everything. Um, although I don't know, they, 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 we've they've given us more info in some of these magazines than I was expecting that we were going to get from. Yeah, indeed. Nintendo. Indeed. So. so. 
yeah, they got a little preview here for Castlevania 4, which they do not seem clear on at this point, the fact that it is essentially a remake of Castlevania 1, because they mentioned that they're not sure which Belmont it is in the game. Uh, kind of interesting, but yeah, those games are both coming. And then, yeah, we get the Super NES Planner, and uh, interestingly enough, I don't see Equinox on this list, but... No. Um, most of the games here, I, I think, do come out within the first year. Pretty accurate list. Yeah, they they had a real sense of, uh, you know, what was what was coming down the pipes. So, yeah, uh, and that kind of does it. Yeah, we got this bulletin board here with just some random things about ordering back issues and such. That is about it. That's the magazine. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I enjoyed this. I think this was a fun, uh, you know, fun look at a slightly different era of the magazine. Maybe a better era, honestly, in some ways. Yeah, Nintendo Power had a very strong personality out of the gate. And unfortunately, like a lot of that got lost for, you know, like a a tone and aesthetic that I don't think were ever as good. Like, again, we've kind of alluded to the forthcoming Play It Loud era in in not the best of of tones. And, you know, when we get to that, like, that's when we truly get the uh, the actual industrial grunge sort of era of Nintendo Power, and I just don't think it looks as good. Nah, I uh, I quite agree, quite agree. Um, but yeah, but we'll we'll get there when and we get yeah, there. Yeah, um, that's that's gonna do it for us. Uh, next time, join us as we take a look back at some of the uh, the original launch games for the Super Nintendo. And uh, we're going to talk about them in our kind of current way of talking about these games. We're going to put them on, uh, well, they're already on the list, but we're going to see if we think they stay where they are on the list or if they move around a little bit, possibly. And yeah, uh, I'm excited to, to get a look at those again. What are we talking about in the next episode of the show? Chase Keys. You know what? I will leave that list to bad audio future chase. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Next time we'll be revisiting Super Mario World and F Zero. Until then, we hope you enjoyed listening to this. We hope this is a fun, a fun uh little diversion from us. And uh we thank you all very much, as always, for listening to us. And uh yeah, until next time. Uh, I'm Emmy Zero. I'm Chase Keys. Play it loud.